Hi, welcome to this podcast from the Human Wisdom Project. Today I'm joined by Laura Took, who's a life coach based in Buckinghamshire. And uh, she specializes in, in grief and loss. And today we're going to talk about um, suffering and loss and the different ways in which we can meet that with wisdom and intelligence. So let's begin, Laura, with a simple question. What are the things that we lose that make us suffer? What are the, what causes suffering? I think loss for me is on many, many levels. It is, our natural instinct is to say suffering and loss is about the death of somebody. Hmm. However, we can experience loss on in many, many different ways, whether it's a pet, whether it is a job, a friendship, a relationship, our health. Um, the thing is, it's anything that we have invested our energy, our love, our time, and perhaps our money into, that when that changes beyond what we expected or that we'd hoped for, that we'd set our hearts on, or disappears completely, this presents a space, a void, if you will, which ultimately is where our emotions go crazy. And we have this space that, and these emotions are collectively called grief. Yes, and of course, yes. grief is common to all human beings. Absolutely. Doesn't matter what your skin color, which country you come from how rich or poor you are. It's uh, part of being human. And perhaps we could explore, so explore that a bit further. So would you say that our grief is linked to attachment? That means wherever we've become attached, emotionally attached to something. It could even be a position of leadership, for example, you know. I've been prime minister or president and I lose that election. Um, so wherever there's attachment, there's suffering. And what is it then that makes the human mind get attached to things? Because it's an unconscious process. We don't wake up and say, today I'm going to be attached to these three things. It just happens automatically. I think it's because emotionally it's, giving us something yes whether it is connection whether it's joy whether it's happiness whether it's giving us money ultimately it is fulfilling a need within us yes and so the greater the belief of the need in that something or someone then the greater the attachment to it and the greater the suffering absolutely so our suffering is dependent on the depth of our attachment to whatever it is Absolutely. that we've lost. Right. Yeah. So let's explore some of the emotional needs that we have. By the way, are we aware that we have these needs or they just operate unconsciously in the background? I think in, in the vast majority of cases, they just are relatively unconscious. They are. And we don't realise that... I suppose we don't realize how much they are until it's no longer there. Yes. We don't even see that process in the background. No. But so we have a need for being loved, for example, and Absolutely. to be understood and for pleasure and for physical 
stimulation or a physical relationship, we have a need to be important. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, to feel secure. You know, I have Absolutely. a job or, um, you know, I feel secure. Um, and um, I have a need to be valued. Without doubt. So we have so many needs, and these are just some of them. Um, where do these needs come from, do you think? What, why do we human beings have so many emotional needs that we're not even aware that we have them, and yet they have such a huge impact on our life, don't they? Uh, absolutely. I think a lot of it has to do with conditioning and that you know, if I if I compare my needs compared to, for example, my young nieces and nephew, you know, with you know, there's this 40 odd years in between us. I've got 40 years of you know social conditioning where society tells me that this is how things are supposed to happen, supposed to be done. And you know, you might not consciously realize that you're taking on these messages, but you are. Uh, you know, society says that to be successful, to be valued, you must do certain things and be in certain places. And yet, if, if you're a child, you know, when you're five, six, seven, the most important things to you are food, <laughs> sleep, perhaps, play, fun, very, very different to somebody who is, you know, 40 years worth of conditioning and saying, you know, in order to be successful, this is what it looks like. So the greater, therefore, the attachment to these things. Okay. With the so level of saying that some of our emotional needs come from our conditioning. And in that Absolutely. group could be uh, the need to be important, successful, you know, uh, head of this, president of that, yes. uh, you know, and so on, have two cars and two houses and all of those things. Absolutely. There are also other emotional needs which are not linked to conditioning, are they? Like our need to be loved, for example. Yeah. Or our need uh, to be understood or our need uh, to feel secure. And those are pretty yeah. hardwired into the human brain, aren't they, yeah. in a way? Yes. Um, and... You could say that's also conditioning in the sense that's conditioning from birth. It's like, that's part yeah. of being human. Just like yeah. a duck, as soon as it's born, knows it knows how to swim yeah. sort of thing. So yeah, those sort of things are kind of built into the DNA of being human. Absolutely. Okay, so then something happens. And so we've understood now why we suffer. And of course, the question then comes is, how can we, or what can we do to meet the suffering with intelligence and wisdom? Can we prepare in some way? Because we know it's going to be part of life. It's going to come unexpectedly when we least prepared for it, right? Yeah. And so is there something we can do to prepare ourselves for the suffering when it comes. So it's not like a complete shock. I think with a sudden death, there is always a level of shock that yes. you know, you're never going to get over. 
However, I do believe there is an element of preparation that one can do just generally in life. And that is about self-awareness yes. and really knowing who we are and what matters most to us. You know, yes. Ultimately, our inner wisdom, because that that is where the attachments coming from is yes. and therefore the suffering will come from so if in that moment that we've lost we start to evaluate the needs that we need fulfilling that is then how we can start preparing because it doesn't have awareness doesn't have to be done just at the point the loss happens no. we can build our awareness over time and start questioning ourselves as to what's really going on here. What is what is it I'm trying to to fulfil within me from this thing that's out there? Yes, and the mind does that automatically all the time. Yes. So the mind Absolutely. is always thinking, what can I do in the world out there to make me feel good in here? Yes. And it's just an automatic process occurs in all human beings, which we never question. Yeah. And if we paused and were curious. You're saying, what is it in here that needs fulfilling? <laughs> you know, yeah. Why do I feel this? What is it in me, this emptiness or void or whatever that space is? Yeah. What, what, what is that space inside me that constantly demands something from the outside to fill it? Yeah. What could we say? What is that? It could be a myriad of things. I and mean, I think every every individual will have a different need that they're looking to fulfill. So if I think of some of my clients, it's the need for connection. It is the need for nurture. It is the need to be feel secure. It's the need to have a conversation with somebody, the need to be intimate with somebody. Um, it's all of those needs that they feel that they now don't have because what they were working towards has either changed or is different or has gone completely. And it's that that they struggle with in order to find something new that can deliver the same, I suppose, feeling inside, emotional feeling for them. Correct. Okay. Now, let's take this a little bit deeper. So say I have a need to feel valued. And uh, if I don't feel valued, what do I yeah. feel? And if I feel valued, what do I feel? So invariably, if I feel valued, then there are more positive emotions. I feel good than if, in myself. Yeah, absolutely. What happens and if I don't feel valued? then I start to go on a downward spiral and I start to feel bad. Not, let's explore not that. Feel yeah, let's explore that. That feeling of feeling bad, whether it's the need to feel valued or the need to feel important or the need to yeah. feel secure or loved, whatever the need yeah. might be, Do you think that underneath all those needs, at yeah. the core of being human, is this sense of emptiness or the void or this restlessness 
that we're not comfortable with ourselves. We're not at peace yes. inside, deep down. Deep down, yes, absolutely. Not at peace, I, I, we, we have an unrest with ourselves. Yes, whatever word you call it. I mean, yes. the word is not important. Um, yeah. Some people don't even recognize that because their life is so busy with being busy. Yeah, that, absolutely. And being busy just covers that over, you know. Yeah. Um, but the busier you are, the more busy you need to be because uh, that otherwise that emptiness suddenly reveals itself and you can't cope. But you, of course, you don't call it emptiness. You, you just feel it as a deep restlessness or whatever, right? Absolutely. And that deep restlessness is, isn't, you know, there's two things that instantly spring to mind. One is that it's not sustainable long term because at some point the body does just go, enough's enough, I can't deal with this. And, but on the other hand, when we run out of, you know, things to keep us busy, too often in that space, we find something else to fill it, which can be destructive. Yes. And so often, you know, those who, you know, have this unrest, can reach for other things to get a feeling. To numb that they, feeling. Well, to numb, you know, but also perhaps actually dial up the feeling. So if they, you know, get us want a sense of euphoria or happiness, you know, it might be drugs or alcohol that they reach for exactly. to get that feeling. Exactly. Um, so behind all of that, or underneath all of that, is this deep sense of unrest, unease, emptiness, yeah. the void. This is where perhaps all our emotional needs come from, why we get attached you know, to all the things in our life and so on. Yeah. And that's why when we lose anything, we, we have experienced this tremendous suffering. Now, would you say that this suffering that we experience is just us coming face to face with our own inner emptiness at that point. I would say yes, it, it is because we are we're confronted with no choice ultimately but to confront it, as it were. Yes. You know, yeah. where we've got no, no there's nothing out there. I mean, I, I recall very vividly when you know, my life you know, had a spectacular implosion and I lost my husband, health and career in quick succession. I had no choice but to confront who I was and what mattered most to me. Because, yeah. you know, it, it, as my, my young nephew said to me at the time, you know, you have nothing. But actually, I didn't have nothing. I had myself. I just, all that time previously, hadn't necessarily wanted to look within at what I had. And I think it, that was a turning point at which I began to find peace within. But, you know, you were at that point, say, when you lost your husband and your career and your health, you did have a choice. You were in a fork in the road. Yes. And one choice was to actually 
go within and explore and be curious to what's going on inside to make me feel this way. Yeah. The other way, of course, is the one we've talked of earlier, alcohol, drugs, some kind of escapism, some other relationship that's really unsuitable. <laughs> and working harder and doing more, you know. All of that, yes, you know, working hard, anything to distract yourself, you see. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the ways in which we, all of us human beings, can prepare for sorrow and loss, which is part of being human, yes, is to be curious about uh, our emotional needs, curious yes. about the emptiness that is at the heart of being human, no matter where you are, <laughs> being human. Absolutely. And just uh, explore that, make friends with that. Be still sometimes. Yeah. When you feel that restlessness in you, just uh, relax into it, make your peace with it. And know that this suffering and this loss and this sudden whatever can come at any time. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we've come to that now. So suppose we are in a position where we have lost something we value. Say a person yeah. has died. And, and of course, there's tremendous grief, which is, again, part of being human. What can we say to that person to, to help them uh, on their journey out of that space, uh, from that grief to healing? You've got a, had a lot of experience with that. Yeah, absolutely. I think what I say is there's something to say as opposed to is it just to listen mm -hmm. and to be there for, yeah. for that other person. Right. If it's the person themselves actually to be with their thoughts about what it is that they've lost. Mm. It's so easy to have to get up and push on and do make the next step to do just as we've described to get into this busyness because we want to distract ourselves mm. that we don't want to pause, but actually in pausing, that is the greatest gift we can give ourselves mm. to taking really strong, steady steps forward. Mm. Then it is about taking slow, steady steps. It is not about big goals. It is about taking us to you know, the next part of the day, the next part of the next part of the day, because there is no rush. Our bodies have gone into this space of per se overwhelmed but our mind is going through a million questions because we're questioning how am I going to cope this huge void what am I got to do and I think one of the things that I frequently say to people is it's not about how I'm going to cope right now it is what am I coping with hmm. and you can't do that while you're busy focusing on I've got to get to the same same thing again but that's that's no longer the same same you want to call it a goal a goal anymore so could That's we changed. say that when the suffering is there to be completely one with that suffering yeah and not try to escape from it yes either through 
distraction or alcohol or drugs or rationalization or busyness. Or, because if you don't meet that fully, then it doesn't ever uh, completely go away, if you know what I mean. No, I do. And, you know, it's why I, I believe so many people have these extreme, what they refer to as grief waves. And yes, grief does come and go. But if you haven't been at peace with the suffering and really become aware, you know, it's back to the self-awareness we're talking about, become really aware of the needs that that relationship that that person was offering. If you haven't, that's going to keep coming up. Yeah, you'll meet lots of new situations and it will come up because you haven't understood what that, that need was within you. You haven't had that peace come to terms with resting oneself yes. from so what you have lost. It's an opportunity to be curious, to find out, to explore the root cause of suffering, as we've done, we've talked about earlier. Absolutely. To come to terms with that emptiness within us, come to terms with our fears, explore yes. what is fear. You know, after all, it's just the way our mind works. We can explore that separately. Um, and also to accept that your suffering is because you got something from the thing that you have lost. It's a price that has to be paid as a, you know, for, like if you weren't attached to that thing, person, whatever, yeah. then there'd be no suffering. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. it's directly proportional. The amount of love is directly proportional to, to the amount of suffering. So just as night um, follows day, it's just a cycle of life. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it will also be different from for different people because we place different levels of attachment to different things. Yes. And then, because then what happens is it's a journey to look at those emotional needs we had, which none of this is right or wrong, but it's part of being human. Yeah to look at those emotional needs we do have or have and say, okay, where else can we meet them? How can we get them? And then that's when uh, we start forming new relationships or we find new activities or new purpose and new meaning. And, and that's then the journey from grief to healing, I suppose, in yes. some way. Definitely. It, it's once we, we are aware of the need, we need filling in us to to fill this void that we we now recognize we have actually that's when we can start the journey to healing we can start knowing the actions that we want to take so you know we might say that we want to take a different career path so okay then we can start saying okay well how are we going to go about that but we have to decide what need it is that we're trying to fulfill first before we can set out on our path then it's a case of just keep moving forward yes and i guess the other way to look at grief is if you're really living with this intelligence and wisdom is to say ah here's an opportunity for learning to yes grief is a tremendous opportunity for learning about the inner yeah. workings of our own mind. Definitely. And in that moment, because when you're actually experiencing something, 
is when the learning can be at its most profound and its most transformative. Yes. And Otherwise, I, I, it's just like you're reading a book. It's a difference between reading a book about suffering or actually yes. <laughs> drinking the, you know, reading a book about what water tastes like, for example, and actually drinking yeah. water. So suffering is, ah, you're actually there. You can see yes. and learn about attachment and emotional needs and our inner emptiness and all of that as an experiential thing you know yeah because you're really really feeling it you know you you really know how how it feels and therefore also the the motivate provides the motivation i suppose to make the, the steps forward because you're pushing yourself to what you want again you know yes. to fulfill that emotional need and if we can come to the point where we can meet the suffering we're experiencing without language. Yes. That means um, without thinking about it or judging it or trying to move away from it or rationalizing it or one, anything that the mind does, but just to meet yes. it purely uh, without language, just not move from it, be completely yes. still then something really amazing happens, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's then starts to become the place where you can actually find this level of inner peace that people strive for. Um, I, you know, and I remember vividly feeling it myself when, you know, I met my own suffering with just almost this, but I call it acceptance, but it was just this, it is what it is kind of sense. And actually for me, it was like, I really felt stronger in order to be able to take the steps forward that I did. It's a simple idea, but it's not easy. Let's not, no. let's not uh, no. say it's easy. It takes it's the, practice. <laughs> it's, it's a tough thing to do. Because your mind is screaming for you to do the opposite. The mind wants yes. you to run away from it, justify it, get angry, you know, all of that. Feel sorry for yourself, all of those things. Yeah. yeah. But if you ignore all those voices and are yes. completely still with it, without a single thought arising in relation to that suffering, then you can experience the real beauty of peace. Yes. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think it's, as I say, it, it's not, as you rightly say, it's not easy. It has taken practice to, to get better at it. And things can still sideswipe me where I have to remain grounded. And I see that in, in my clients. And certainly, but when you do something truly amazing, and of course, you don't have to wait for suffering to do all this learning. Right? You can begin today by being curious about yourself and you know, how your mind works and um, just notice all the thoughts and feelings that arise and then explore what lies behind them and so on. And that's really what we're trying to do with the Human Wisdom Project and the app is to take people on a journey of self-discovery and yes. self-learning.
Yeah, I think it's that whole thing of, you know, we sh should be constantly inquiring of ourselves what's really going on here and, and being curious to that because there's always going to be something that's really going on behind the scenes, so to speak. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Rather than the behaviour or the action that is first there. Yeah. And once you start inquiring that, actually, you can't stop the inquiry yes. <laughs> it just becomes you know this natural thing that you 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 become more curious so could we say that loss in life is pretty much certain yes definitely. we're going to lose things too bad yes but the amount of suffering that follows is up to us in the sense that we can use our wisdom and our intelligence to meet that in a different way. Definitely. And uh, I'm sure you've learned that through, you know, meeting and talking to so many of your clients who've, uh, who yes. have experienced the same thing and you've been on that journey with them. Yeah, absolutely. I think when we meet it with intelligence, with learning, with this idea of curiosity, our path to healing is possible and is a lot less sufferable or is a lot more sufferable, should I say? Yeah, there's less suffering, you know. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's pause there, Laura. So thank you very much for you. your time today. And I think uh, we had a really insightful discussion and we'll meet again. Thank you. And this was, uh, this podcast came to you from the Human Wisdom Project. And to find out more, please visit our website, humanwisdom.me.